Well, good morning. I am Pastor Kyle, and it's my privilege to open up God's Word with you this morning. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and I'll get there as well. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at the last uh, couple verses in chapter 7 from a passage in the book of Matthew uh, that maybe you have even titled in your Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and so it's actually a sermon. It's the longest sermon that Christ preached that we have recorded, and uh, many people call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's preached on the Mount. It's chapters 5 to 7, and we're going to be looking at the very end of that sermon this morning. So while you're turning there and, and getting ready for that, I just want to again introduce myself. So I'm Kyle uh, up in Redemption, Edmonton. And so maybe some of you remember I was able to preach here when you were back in the dome, the, the freezer. That's the only time in my life that I said I could have preached in a suit and not sweated. My hands were frozen. We had a, the handheld microphone and you know, first world problems, right? But uh, very thankful to be back preaching here this morning. It's my privilege to open up God's Word. We, we are uh, a church plant that's young. I think the last time, I think the last time that I preached uh, to this congregation, to you, we hadn't planted yet, but I might be wrong in that. Uh, we're going to have our one-year anniversary, September 17th, so we launched September 18th. Uh, Chris had often said, and I maybe announced to you when we were in the core group stage, you know, church in, under construction. So we were a church under construction for about a year, but really before that, people praying, of course. Uh, then we launched officially, whatever that means. Uh, but, it, you know, however you define that term, the church was, I guess you could say, official. So uh, lots going on there. I, I would just say this. Um, if you would continue to a couple things. One, spread the word. Let people know. If you have family and friends up in Edmonton, uh, let them know. Now, if they're a part of a good church, uh, maybe don't let them know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like encourage them with where they're at. But man, if there's people there that you know that maybe don't know Christ or uh, need to be a part of a, um, a church that's going to preach God's word and where they're going to grow as a disciple, then let them know about uh, Edmonton. That would be fantastic. And for the rest of you that are part of this church and uh, you're not giving those invites, there's no one up there for you. If you just keep praying for us, if you do that, uh, that would be I can't even tell you how much appreciative that would be. Chris has been a real good friend to me. Uh, love getting to know him. He's actually going to be hanging out at my house uh, later uh, today, and then we're going to fit his whole family in a fort. They're going to sleep overnight. You can ask him about that, see how that goes. So he's very trusting. Uh, but very, very thankful to open up God's Word. And again, to have him, and I said this to Dave when we were praying before, to have him preaching uh, for us at Edmonton is a huge kindness. I'm very thankful for that. I've told our people I love it. Uh, when other voices can open up God's word and preach. Uh, want our people to know, don't follow me. Please don't follow me. Uh, follow Christ and follow his word. And so Chris, I know, loves the Lord. He loves and fears God and his word. And so he'll, he'll be doing that today and just so thankful. So thank you for letting, uh, well, for thank you for sharing him with us and, and for letting me preach here today. So with all that being said, let us turn to Matthew 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 24 to the end. Let me read it aloud. And you follow along in your copy of God's word. And then we'll pray and then dive into it. So starting in verse 24. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray together. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come humbly before your word. Father, we pray that you would speak to us clearly from your word. Or make it plain, I pray that uh, each one of us, even as I preach, Lord, would be able to say, I, I see that. That's clearly what God says. Lord, I'm just so aware, too, that uh, nothing will change unless your spirit uh, works through your word and changes us, and we pray that you would do that. I pray that you would convince us of what's in your word, Lord, that you would change hearts. I pray, Lord, if for someone today, even now, who is dead in their sin and cannot hear the Spirit of God, that you would give them just grace and that they would hear that even this morning, today, would be the day of salvation for them. Father, for the rest of us who know, we humbly ask, Lord, that we would not just be hearers this morning, but doers. Lord, keep us alert. Uh, speak through me. Help me. Lord, just use me as a messenger despite me. I pray, Lord, that we would leave this morning loving Christ more. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A question for you this morning then, and we have uh, the title of the sermon, Two Builders. Maybe you see why as we read the passage together. A question for you before we dive into this passage. What are the voices of authority in your life? What are the voices of authority in your life? What I mean by that is who will win you over? Who will convince you? Who will change your mind? Who determines what you think? Whose opinions matter? What determines what you're convicted of? What you do, what you say, what you desire, what you fear, what you value, what you hate? The next thing you're going to do. Uh, who's the authority in your life that pushes you forward to do those things, to think those things? To desire those things. Is it a stranger? I mean, sometimes it can be. Maybe this morning you were driving here and there's a stranger who, who made you very angry. Maybe they had some authority in your life in a sense. You had a little bit of road rage. I don't know. Now, what drives you? What causes you to do and say and think different things? Is it a stranger? Maybe. Maybe. A kid's going back to school surrounded maybe by strangers. What kind of authority do they have in your life? People you don't even know. You don't even know their name. Children, do they have authority in your life? Parents, longtime friends, fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, pastors, the news, books, podcasts, internet, the supernatural, the miraculous. Are some of you looking for that? And that away? A type of authority in your life, speaking into it, scientific evidence, feelings. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. I think it's very different for all of us, and maybe weekly it's different. 
Sometimes it feels hourly. I'm fine here, but now something else is speaking into my life. What I think is common for each one of us in this room, for sure, we'll say because of sin, the flesh, as Scripture calls it, is the authority that we give ourselves. The number one voice in your life, in my life, is going to be me. Speaking to me, interpreting all the things and all the other possible authorities in my life. Now, Paul Tripp says this. I think it's helpful. And the quote's there for you on the screen. He says, no one, and Paul Tripp, if you don't know who he is, biblical counselor, a pastor, speaker, he says, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Maybe not out loud, right? But uh, in your head, whether you realize it or not, you're engaged in an unending conversation with yourself. What you say to yourself is formative for the way you live. You're constantly talking to yourself about your identity, spirituality, functionality, emotionality, mentality, mentality, personality, and so on. You are constantly preaching to yourself some kind of gospel. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe that makes sense to you. I know it does to me. Jesus gives us a picture in Matthew 7 of why this question of authority, who has authority in your life, why it matters so much. He gives us a picture, like a, like a visual picture. He says it twice. He says, the rains will fall, the floods will come, the winds will blow. Rain, floods, and winds. He's talking about a storm. The storm will come, he says. And the storm's going to look different for each one of us. I mean, sometimes the storm is just, again, just the mundane things of life. I mean, you can't find an item in a grocery store, maybe. Uh, the kids are going bananas. You're like, every day, right? There's a storm going on. The kids are losing their minds. Or maybe it's more serious. The bills are piling up. There's sickness or loss. I do not know. I, I hardly know any of you. I don't know what is going on in your life right now. I certainly don't know what's going to happen in the future. But he says when the storms come, maybe the loss or abuse, financial difficulty, feeling purposeless, just bored, and maybe stuck, broken relationships, the question of authority matters so much. So like what will happen when the storm comes? What is maybe happening right now as you're in a storm? What will happen when the storm comes? A couple questions in that. Will you cope? You just cope through it. Will you try to forget? Some of you just keep busy. Will you be led to different temptations, different addictions? Fear, anxiety, guilt, shame. Some of you are thinking of storms of the past, of feeling just damaged, crushed. What will happen to you, and what is your hope moving forward? Again, this question of authority matters so much, and Christ gave us this picture of a storm. I want to give you then, to try to help give you a picture, a visual of that, um, a slide for you. And so we're still in hurricane season. Apparently, I had to look this up. I, I think it's whenever it starts, June, I think, to the end of November. Some of you know from the news, I think the latest hurricane, uh, there's many of them, is Adalia. I think I'm saying that right, maybe, and it's, it's cooled down now. But Adalia was a category three. And so you can see here, this is a hurricane wind scale. It shows you you've got your category one to five. 
So category three, you can see 11 to 100, 129 miles, or sorry, 111 to 129 miles per hour winds, and you can see the house is not doing well. The five, actually the first time I saw five, I actually kind of laughed out loud. I was like, well, that's the best drawing they could come up with, I guess. Just that. And, and the point is, it's, it's not good. And as the, as the storm increases, just very simply, the damage increases. So now I want to show you what Christ is telling us. Christ is telling us this. No matter the, the, the storm that's come in your life, whatever is coming your way, no matter the damage, he says this very plainly to us. Whoever is built on the rock, whoever has the authority of God's word in their life, who hears it and does it, will stand. The house won't change through it all. It'll be immovable. Jesus is painting this picture for us. If you hear God's word, obey. And if you do that, you will be safe. You hear God's word and you say, well, what, what should I think? What should I say? What should I believe? What are my next steps? And, and those of you who are doing this, when you do this, you will not fall. Your authority is God's word. And so that's the big idea for us this morning is God's word is our authority. God's word is our authority. So three points this morning. The first is this. It is wise to obey. It's wise to obey. Look at verse 24 with me. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So he says, everyone. This, this is true for everyone today. Not just an elite few, not just maybe some of you, not for the old or not just for the teenagers or the kids, like everyone. Everyone who hears these words and does them will be wise. So the question is not, are you wise enough to figure out God's word? That's important to see here. He doesn't say, there's some of you that will actually be wise enough to do this. This can actually be applied. No, no, no. The wisdom is rather in simply obeying. The wise person obeys. That's where the wisdom comes from. Even that idea of just like childlike faith, childlike obedience. The wisdom is actually in the obedience. Not maybe one day, I'll be wise enough to obey. No, no, no. O obedience is wisdom. So you, you maybe are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, maybe you're not, but just a summary, just even just looking at the Sermon on the Mount. What has Christ told us in this sermon? Uh, what would we have heard in this sermon? What do we see in God's word as a summary for us to obey that would give us wisdom even? So let me let me give you, and this is chronological order, and again, just a summary of what Christ has preached. He says, reconsider what it means to be blessed. Rejoice in persecution. Be salt and light. Make things right when you're angry. Get extreme about battling lust. Remain married. Keep your promises. Don't retaliate. Love your enemies. Work for the Lord and not the approval of man. 
Man, that's one that preaches to me like every day. Uh, This is how to pray. This is how to fast. This is how to give. Store up treasures in heaven. Do not be anxious. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Point out sin in others the right way. Make requests to God, remembering who he is. He commanded us to enter the narrow gate. Discern false teaching. Do the will of the Father. And then to our passage now, our text today, build on the rock. Trust God's word as your authority. So I read that list and maybe there's no one here that's like, what? Christ says that? The question is, as you hear it and maybe have heard it, are you obeying? Are you obeying? Does it stir your heart as you hear that? Are you thinking, how do I do that? I want to figure out, does God's word actually say that? Did Christ say that? Uh, what does the whole of God's word say about those things in, in all of life, really? Are you, are you wanting to know and hear God's word more than anything else and then obey? Well, the word of God is our authority, and it's wise to obey. So notice the combination in verse 24. There's hearing and there's doing. Look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So the caution is this. And, and, and maybe the caution, maybe it's the same for the person that's here for the first time ever and, and having someone open up God's word to you as it is for the person that's been here for 100 years. Maybe not to this church because it's new like ours. But the caution is this. You can study God's word. You can understand God's word. You can memorize God's word and talk about it and argue it and debate it and be right. Yet not obey. That is very, very possible. Christ says everyone. This is for everyone. And this is very possible. The, The baby Christian... Christ is telling us this. The baby Christian can be more wise than the mature Christian, than the pastor's kid, than the Bible college student, than the Bible prof, than the pastor. Are you hearing and obeying? I had a high school teacher who uh, thought that he could fly a plane. I don't know if he ever ended up flying a plane, but he would, he would often, he loved flying, or at least the, the ideas of flying, and he'd often tell us as students, and we loved it because it'd be a commercial break from our class, keep talking about the flying teacher. Yeah, I've got more questions about flying. We're all super interested. And so he would talk to us about flying, and, and he was a real smart dude. I have no doubt. At least he, he felt like he was smarter than me. He had a lot of big words, and he's an English teacher. And he said, I, I can fly a plane. And we said, well, have you ever flown? Well, no. But he knew everything about flying. So much so, he was confident that he could take any one of us in a plane and get us off the ground. I still don't know if he flew. But he wasn't a pilot. He knew a lot, and he maybe at some levels could have known more than some of the pilots. But he wasn't flying. He wasn't a pilot. Many of us think that we are wise, and many of you uh, maybe know good theology. 
you're brilliant. I don't, I don't know. You've got degrees. You know how to pray. You know how to ask for forgiveness. You know how to offer forgiveness. You know how to share your faith, how to walk in purity. You know all these things. But we, were, we are not wise if we do not do them. And this is the word that God's giving us. Be cautious. And this is a word for me. Be cautious. Are you doing it? We're tempted in this, I think, maybe, uh, maybe you're even thinking this now, to think, well, tomorrow. I mean, I mean, I'm hearing this, but like I'm already thinking about afternoon and like, yeah, 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 and storm's coming, I guess, and, but tomorrow I'll get on that. And I know my uncle or my aunt or whoever, they gave their heart to Christ on their deathbed, and, and maybe you're saved, maybe you're a believer in Christ, and you're still, you know there's some things that you need to do, and you're like, but it's, it's hard and tomorrow. Well, notice when the building happens in this passage. The wise man builds his house on the rock, and it says, the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, I'm not saying that the storm comes in, in, if you have not cried out to God, if, if you're walking in sin, as you, even as a believer, and, and you realize that, and God brings storms by his grace to do that, that you don't come to him, yes, come. But the wise person builds before the storm. It says it's founded. It's founded. This word founded is once for all action. It's not like a refounding and keep putting mortar to it. It's like it's been done. Like the anchor is set. You look at Luke 6, uh, 48. This is the parallel passage to this. In verse 48, he says, those who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Many of you maybe are backgrounds in construction and you, you've seen those uh, stones that you have that kind of look like a bit of a pillar and the posts will go on that for your decks. Kind of a floating piece of concrete. And that's fine. But you can move those and you can kind of adjust those. And the best is just a piling a piling down past the frost is not going to move anywhere. And you put those down, and if you've done that before, you're like, I hope I got that hole right, because if it's off, we're not moving this thing. And that's what he's saying. He says, you drill down deep into this foundation, which is Christ, which is the word of God. That's our foundation, immovable. God's word is our authority. And so it's not something that we can manipulate or move or well, you know what, we've got to shift it a little bit. It's, no, we're down deep in it. The foundation dictates how we build the house. So, so we want to think about that. If your foundation is the word of God, then, then how are you building on that? Again, if, you've, if you know about buildings, you have a foundation. You don't go and build some different building. This, this building here has a foundation that determined how the house would be built or how this structure would be built up. You don't have a foundation and then build, build a cabin or build a mall. You, you build exactly what it's intended for. And so the same is true with the Word of God. The foundation determines what we build. And so we do not build on feelings. And our culture builds on feelings. They love feelings. Like kids, as you go back to school too, you don't build on feelings. We, we build on the truth of God's Word. <clears throat> 
We build not on the miraculous. I just need a sign from God. Well, that would be fine, but we don't build on that. We build on God's word. And even if you get your sign, you're going to have to interpret that with God's word. We don't build on our sovereign decrees. It's fine. It'll just, it'll work out. You know, declares Kyle, it'll all be fine. No, no, we don't build off that. We build off, well, what has my sovereign God said about what's going on? What has he told me to trust? We don't build on the desire or the approval of man. We build on the approval of God and what he has said about us. And the list goes on. We dig deep. And and let's say this too, when, when you don't know what to do, how to build, like how to obey, it is a good question to say, I don't know. And then, but what does God's word say? What does the gospel speak into this? We need to figure this out because we can't build on anything else. We don't want to start building unless we're sure this is the right foundation. Surround yourself with brothers and sisters who love you enough to point you to the authority of God's word. Man, if you have a brother or sister in Christ that will slow you down enough to say, just at the most simple level, remember, wisdom is obedience. Like, are you sure that's what God would have you think? Are you sure that's what you should say? Are you, like, convince me from God's word that that's what you should do right now. If you have friends like that, man, cling to them. Don't let them go. Even if it's awkward, if you're here right now, just grab them, right? Like, you, you want to keep those people. Because, man, we go off of the foundation of God's word, and it will never go well. God's word is our authority. It's wise to obey. And secondly, it's foolish to disobey. Now, as I read that point, many of you will probably check out and be like, well, yeah, (laughs) of course. Can we just go to point three? Of course it's foolish to disobey. My parents tell me that all the time, right? The old people are like, yeah, I know. Let me tell you, right? Well, It seemed important for Christ to elaborate on this. So we're going to elaborate on it. It's foolish to disobey. And Christ uh, felt like it was worthy to talk some more about that and why. Look at verse 26. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Christ is saying everyone... Everyone. So, so I'll say this. If you're not a disciple, if you are not in Christ, if you're not a believer, whatever language you want to use, if you do not listen to the voice of God, the gospel, and repent and believe and trust, the fall will be great. There is no hope for you apart from that. It is an eternal fall. And believer, disciple, if you are in Christ and you have repented that you've believed in the gospel and you've come to Christ, then know this, Christ is saying it wasn't enough to get you out of the fall of hell or apart from Christ or the punishment of his wrath forever. 
He loves you. His word is trustworthy. Those who love him love his word. It wasn't just to get you out of hell and into heaven and then what? Every time you and I obey the word of God, it goes well. And every time we don't, Christ is saying, you will fall. You do not believe from God's word, you would lose your salvation. But man, the more that you don't believe, the more that you fall, the more it might be proof that you aren't saved. But at the simplest level, when you hear, and maybe Sunday to Sunday or in your even personal time, and you do not obey, it will never go well. It's not, it's not here's obedience is first place and God is second. Or sorry, uh, disobedience is second. It's like not as good as it could have been, but it's not so bad. No, no, no. Every time it's not obeying God, it will not go well. Even if it feels like it's fine, it seems like it's fine at the simplest level. If you are not in the will of God, obedience to God's word, I'm telling you, it won't go well. And God has something so glorious for you, more than just to be with you one day, that you would obey him now. I mean, this is the walk of the Christian. It's God's word that we listen for. And to be clear, too, we're not confident or comfortable with something that's close to God's word or just sounds like God's word. Or something that is from God's word, but not what he meant. You look at the temptation in Matthew 4, a couple chapters back, with Satan. Satan uses the word of God. That's not the foundation, though. He's ripping it out of context, and he's using it for his own means. No, we want to know what God's word says because we hold to that. 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 4 says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. So you've got an itch, you want to scratch it, itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Teachers, that, that, that feels good to my ears, to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, just myths. And there is an infinite amount of myths in our culture that sound good, that sound right, that even would use the word of God, that tickle the ears, but it's not. We have to be convinced, is it God's word? So a simple question from this, a disciple, are you hearing the word of God? Are you hearing it? I mean, that's my, pray, or that my prayer as I preach, before I preach, and even sometimes while I'm preaching, God, would you show them your word? You do not need to hear from me. You need to hear from God's word. And so are you hearing God's word? And I would say, Maybe, maybe all of you, if not most of you, are here today because that is true. That's why you're here. Like, that's why Redemption Red Deer is, is my church, not because Pastor Chris is a perfect preacher or the guys that do sermon swaps with him or fill the pulpit are perfect, but no, no, I want to hear God's word. And so you are hearing it. And I would say this too then, you must, you and I must build a habit of hearing it. Not just when we gather to worship like this and like, that's great. But man, you must do the hard work and gather a habit of hearing and drilling down deep into the foundation. So are you in daily prayer and reading of God's word? Reminding each other of it. Talking about it as you meet for coffee. It doesn't always come up. 
how is it applying to your life? And asking one another these questions, studying God's word, memorizing God's word. We used to have to memorize God's word in Sunday school. I was like, man, well, I got a candy at least sometimes. Didn't understand the, the, the joy of it, the weight of it, the, the, the goodness of it. Are you memorizing God's word? I have a, an app now to encourage you. If you're not doing that, like, it's just called, I think, the Bible memory app. So it's pretty easy to remember. And then it'll help you remember scripture. I'm really bad at remembering scripture. But man, it gets me in the word daily and just trying to memorize it and have it on my heart. Podcasts, sermons, parents, are you doing the hard work that your kids would hear God's word? And I've got teenage kids, and it gets harder as they get older. Where are they? <laughs> They're everywhere. Are, are they hearing God's word from you? Are you gathering around a meal to do that? Be encouraged if you're doing that. If you've done that and you haven't, you're not now, get back in it. They need to hear God's word. And if you're hearing it, then are you obeying? Listen again to verse 27. He says, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I've already kind of talked of this, but why would the fall be great? Why would it be great? Is it just that it was an unusual storm that's going to come? No, again. The fall is great because, again, anytime we do not obey God, our creator, it will not go well for us. And the fall of that is always great. God is the creator of all things. He owns all things, all people, all nations. He made us, why? So we could know him and enjoy him and make much of him, serve him, worship him. We're made for him. And then we rebelled. We decide to run our own lives. Live for ourselves. Believe what we wanted to believe. You do you. Whatever works for you. Follow a whole host of other things other than our God. Find all that we're looking for in ourselves. And in the process, sinning greatly. God is a holy God. He's good. He's just. And just so that he would break then the relationship with us just in that he would punish us for our sin. And the punishment for a sin against a holy, holy, holy God is an eternity in hell apart from him. But we know the good news of the gospel, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, took the fall for us. Christ took the fall for us, that he died, that he bore the weight of sin completely finished, satisfied on the cross, absorbed, it is finished. And then he offers us his righteousness, credited to us, the, and hear this, the righteousness of God. Holy, holy, holy. That's what we need, and he says it's yours by faith. So he takes us up, and as he rose then from the grave, we will rise one day anew as well. We have some baptisms, our first baptisms ever, trying to figure out how to do that. So I've got a horse trough, and I just got a hot tub from Marketplace. So I'm bringing back the horse trough, and we're going to use the hot tub. And we have this symbol of someone, and I love talking, I have these interviews with, in this case, it's kids and young adults who 
are wanting to get baptized and just reminding them, why would you go underwater? Why would you I have this guy that I baptized once, this, this older gentleman? And he said, hold me under for three seconds. I said, well, that's going to get awkward real quick and a bit of a distraction. And I asked him why. And maybe you, you know why. But he said, Christ was in the grave for three days. Hold me under for three seconds. And I said, well, I'll hold you under a little longer. But that's a really cool point. And when I put him under the water, and this is true, I held him under long enough, the water kind of went calm, and I could see his face smiling like crazy. And he was thinking three days in the tomb. I thought, man, I wish I would have been thinking of that when I got baptized. Up he comes. And this is a symbol of what Christ offers for us, that you would not fall, but that he would lift you up and that you would have new life in Christ. This is a work of God. That's why we love the gospel. This is why we love baptism Sundays. Those who obey the call will not fall. Those who disobey will fall, and he says the fall will be great. There is no recovery. It is eternal. And I want to say this again, believer, that doesn't mean, oh, you're off, and now I guess step two as a believer, you should obey the Lord. No, every time you don't obey the Lord, there will still be a fall. It won't go well for you. The mature believer is not the believer that doesn't sin anymore. It's the one that repents and turns quicker. So natural to be thinking, well, I'd like to do these things. I'd like to obey, but I just don't know the word of God well enough. And I would say this to you, then you need to get to know the word of God. That's a great problem to have and something to figure out. Well, I'm just not into it. Then you need to get into it. I don't know how to read it. Then you need to figure out how to read it. And I know you have a pastor and elders, a church that, you know, as a church, I'm, I'm sure you want to help one another out in this. I had a guy, a friend of mine that, you know, I was trying to do my own taxes, which was a nightmare. I went to him like, you have to do my taxes because it's a nightmare. I don't know how to do this. It's just not my thing. I'm not into numbers. Don't get it at all. Maybe some of you feel like that with the word of God. That's kind of a pastor thing. And he said to me, he said, well, you need to make it your thing, Kyle. <laughs> I was like, I just want you to do my taxes. Why are you being so hard on me? But man, that stuck. I was like, that's right. I do need to make it my thing. I still get people to do my taxes. But man, I try a little harder to figure out what's going on. And with the word of God, I would say you and I need to make it our thing. There are no excuses Christ didn't say, well, unless you're just not good at reading the Bible, there's no options there. And so we need to make it our thing. Some of us, we have things even now that you're thinking of and you're stalling on maybe. You're aware of it and you're stalling. And maybe you've been aware of it so long, but you've pushed it down so long that you're kind of not aware of it anymore. And you're blaming others. Well, they're just nagging me. It's just kind of my thing and they just like, they're nag. And you've blamed them. They have their own issues. They just don't understand. And my, my question to you then, brother or sister, is well, but what does God say? I, I had an experience once where, you know, out of that experience, I kind of came up with this line, I can learn from the crazy cat lady. Is what the person's saying agree with the word of God? Then listen up. 
We blame others, or sorry, we blame ourselves. We say it's too scary to obey. You've got things that you're stalling on. You're saying it's too costly. It's inconvenient. It's bad timing. I just don't know how it's going to go. I've already done a lot. My question again to you and I has to be, and from the text it has to be, okay, but what does God say? He never gave us that authority. What does God's word say? We need to obey. If we don't, it will not go well. And it's foolish to disobey. And so, again, God's word is our authority. It's wise to obey. It's foolish to disobey. And then third and final point, it is appropriate to be astonished. It is appropriate to be astonished. Look at verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. So he finishes the sermon and people are astonished. That word is just struck, like awestruck. Like, have you been in a thunderstorm before where it's been so close where it's a boom and you just, no one's talking in that moment. It just kind of almost immobilizes you. And, and this is what happened to the crowd. They're in awe. I don't know, and we're not told. Maybe you could hear a pin drop. Like, maybe no one's talking. Why? Why were they so awestruck? Well, we're told there, you can see it, at his teaching. Now, before you go further in that, okay, at his teaching was a great advice that day. Were there some questions they had answers to that day? Were they moved like in their spirit and their soul? Were they just like, man, I did, I, I've never kind of felt this way before? Like, was that it? Maybe. Maybe, but look, we're told what it was. For he was teaching them as one who had authority. It was the authority, not as their scribes. He is Jesus, God, the Son, speaking the very words of God. And at the end of the sermon, the crowd is in awe. Why? Again, not because there was a miracle that happened or his speaking style but it was authority. What they heard, they knew, wasn't an opinion. Man, in, in our day and age, you need to hear that about the Word of God. This is not an option among many. This is not something that, well, I mean, you should be guilted more into this than other things. No. There's authority behind it, so much so they were, they were speechless. What? If that word has that kind of authority, then ha. It must be obeyed. Now, one of our banners, I think the banners are at, trying to get my directions here, I think in the back there. We have the same banners, actually the same style because we stole your banners and we used them in the church plant. You don't reinvent the wheel. You just steal things as a church plant. And one of those banners, and maybe you kind of get numb to them as you walk past them, one of them is bold preaching. Bold preaching, expositional and applicational. That's actually on your website. Bold preaching, expositional and applicational. Expositional basically meaning the exposing of God's word. What does God's word say? What's the intent of the word? Not, not taking it out of context like a manual and making those words say whatever you want. What's the whole thing mean? So exposing God's word. Applicational meaning it's got to do something then because it has authority. It has authority. 
And so the scribes, he talks about the scribes here, and, and the crowd was like, wait a second. Their scribes would have been in God's word. Their scribes were experts in God's word. They would have been speaking from God's word. Well, I'm not an expert in God's word. But you don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. And we have God who has spoken through his word. And if you hear God's word, clearly, there it is. I can see, yes, that's in fact what he says. There is authority behind that. And the boldness comes from that. I hate public speaking. Almost every pastor hates public speaking. I hate it. The only boldness I have is that, do you see what God says? It's right here. And so this is the boldness that comes from a belief in the authority of God's word. And his word, not my words, his word is unchanging. It's clear. His word is necessary. It's inerrant. It's sufficient. And again, it's authoritative. Christ spoke the first word. Christ will speak the last word. In Matthew, verse 23, we see that he will declare, the word of Christ, he will declare who he knows and who he doesn't know. There is no other voice other than the voice of God. So the crowds were astonished, and I would say rightly so. But what did the crowds do? Look at it there in the text. What does the crowd do? Well, we're not told. (laughs) It's not there. We don't know what they they did with that. And this morning, that's my question to you and kind of final question is, well, what will you do? What will you do with God's word? What What will you do with what you've heard this morning? But what will you do with things that you've already heard? And maybe for you, some of it was a week ago. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was years ago. What will you do? What will you do with God's word tomorrow and the next day? What will you do? God's word is our authority. So I would just say this, you know, church, would we handle it in such a way? And so I want to pray for you and kind of an applicational prayer. And so I'm going to just ask us, to pray, and I'm going to, um, not knowing what God's Spirit is applying in your heart right now, um, I want to just pray that for you, and in different situations maybe, and just challenge you then, would you obey the Word of God? So let me, let me pray, and we'll close that way. And again, I'm, I'm assuming and hoping that every time that we you know, prayer is led from up front here that you're doing the hard work of following along. I especially want you to do that now. And so again, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, without it, we wouldn't know you. We would not have life. We wouldn't have uh, the gospel to believe and trust in. Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us through your son. We have the word of God. Lord, that is unbelievable. Would you help us to believe it? Lord, would you help us to be in awe at that? Lord, would we fear you? 
Would we love and trust you? Would we obey you? And so, Father, I just pray right now, even if this uh, was my home church, Lord, I still don't know the people really. Lord, you know what's in the hearts of men, of, the, of women. Lord, would you um, apply your word right now? And I just pray, Lord, if there is someone here who has not repented of their sin, of being a sinner before a holy God, who has heard the gospel, they've heard what Christ has done as their substitute. They know that their, their debt has been paid, their sin has been punished. Christ has taken it away and he offers them holiness, right standing with him forever, forever born again, changed. Lord, that they would repent, that today would be the day. Lord, it will not go well. If they wait even an hour, whether today is their last or not, it will not go well an hour from now, any time that they're walking apart from you, I pray, Lord, would you give them the ability to repent and believe and the urgency to know that today is the day of salvation. So, Father, would they do that? And I pray, Father, for <clears throat> those who some here need to seek to hear more. Uh, maybe, Lord, they're wondering if they should be a part of this church, and not a perfect church, Lord, and, and Lord, if they're a part of a church that is not preaching the word of God faithfully, Lord, that they would talk to their shepherds and pastors first, but Lord, that you would give them the courage and wisdom to, Lord, go where they can be a part of a body that does. Father, it is so necessary. It is not something that we can dabble with, Lord. And so, Father, give them courage and wisdom. Uh, some, Lord, here that are believers in Christ, that, Lord, maybe you're bringing to mind sin, that they would recognize it with clarity Lord, that they can see it from your, from your word, and Lord, that they would repent and they would turn. Lord, I pray that they would not delay in that. Some of them are stalling. I pray that they wouldn't. And Lord, for some that are, are building off of this foundation, that are obeying you, Father, I pray that you encourage and strengthen them today, that they would continue to increase efforts to do that, to build off the foundation of your word. Father, that this church would be a church that helps one another to do that. Lord, I pray that in the years to come, we can look back and say, man, Redemption Church, uh, Red Deer did that. That many, many people would say, I, ca I came to this church and now um, look at the change. Look at where I'm at now. Look at how I'm enjoying God like I never did before and obeying him in ways that I just never did before. I pray that that would be true. And so, Father, again, we thank you for your word. Apply it. Lord, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.